talk show and uh, you stream and all that neat stuff yeah excellent cool good evening and welcome to another edition of sci-fi saturday night for saturday december 12th 2009 i'm the dome from high above area 51 here in uh, groom lake and uh, joining us tonight hmm. well calling in from the four color vault of comics this is illustrator x just four colors. I'm in Boston. I'm Kriana. It's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, up in the northern part of uh, the Midwest, I am awake by Java. Sweet. Hooray. So I'd like to mention before we get started here that this is our 10th show of our new talk cast format. Woohoo! 10 shows. I know. It's a we're, milestone. We're, Actually, 10 shows into this one. Not bad. Dangerous eh? in double digits. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. And our, our Facebook friends um, continue to expand and grow, and uh, we're getting more and more people listening in all the time. So thank you very much. And if you're a new listener, welcome. And now we're going to beg you for money. We've had a grand total <laughs> of, <laughs> of that zero was just donations. <laughs> We've had a grand total of zero donations. This is this is Kriana speaking on behalf of the Catholic Church. <laughs> no, <laughs> never. Ew. <laughs> okay. I would say just kidding, but I actually meant that. Um, yeah. Uh, Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Lost my train of thought. Catholic Church. My train of thought goes out the window. Yes. We are trying to get to Arisia in January. We do not have the funds to do so because we're broke from giving you all buttons. So, so we're asking for your love and your money. Um, if you could hop on to SciFiSaturdayNight.com, there's a post stickied to the top of the site with a donation button. Every dollar helps. So far we have zero dollars. We have zero dollars so far. Mm -hmm. Your enthusiasm is underwhelming. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'm going to chastise so you a little bit. Um, maybe wow, that'll help. Yeah. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But, you know, if you want to see us, you know, try. <laughs> That's all I can Please. say. Please. Please. But, uh, Anaresia is a, what is it, a, a Boston-based sci-fi convention that will be held next month? Yep, in January. Mm-hmm. And um, we're we're hoping to at least attend next year if we can't if we can't raise the funds this year. But we'd really like to go this year. Yeah, we absolutely. Really so all of you who are listening in or listening to us on iTunes or uh, sitting on our website, going, "Golly, they write really cool stuff." <laughs> yeah, both of you. 
<laughs> so show your love <laughs> with the biggest check you can possibly write. Exactly. And you know exactly. what? Let's just, let's put it this way. For those of you who drop a dime for us this week, the one who drops the largest donation, we're going to do something special for you. I'm not sure what, but we're going to do something special. It'll be a surprise. And, and trust me when I tell you, we've got special stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. We have special stuff. We, ha we have a ridiculous amount of stuff. We absolutely do. So anyhow, let's get um, off the soapbox and... Uh, I like my soapbox. I know, it's a nice soapbox. But we, we, have, we have a very, very well-packed show today. Uh, yes, we do. X has got a comic roundup of new stuff that's going on. Oh, uh, do I. Um, I've got my uh, three Christmas You Can't Do Without books. Kriana's got some quick picks off the web. Um, our trivia hey. question at 8.30. And then Andrew Leader, the other half of... It's Leader, isn't it? Leader, Lighter? Leader. Mm -hmm. Somebody help me with that. I don't know, actually. Okay. I'm thinking it's Leader. We'll have to ask him. I think it would well it would have been helpful if we'd done that before, but... Well, uh, we didn't think of it before. I know. I didn't realize <laughs> that I couldn't pronounce his name. Yes. Um, and yes, he is the writer the of the second half of Marooned on Mogo with our guest from last week, Frankie Washington. And Frankie B, if you're out there listening tonight, buddy, you were fun. And I appreciate the time you spent with us. And uh, thanks so much. Hmm. Yeah, we had a good here, time here. last week. We missed you, X, here. but we had a good time anyway. Uh, I knew you could soldier on without me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, coming up for the, uh, comic roundup of the week, the lead story is, is not so much comics, but, uh, it's definitely a big deal to sci-fi fans everywhere. It's the Frazetta Museum Robberies. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, Frank Frazetta, one of, arguably, uh, one of the great sci-fi fantasy artists of all time, renowned for his covers that he's done for Conan and for the John Carter Warlord of Mars series, um, his museum was robbed this past Wednesday by his son, who apparently broke into the museum using a backhoe and stole 90 paintings valued at, uh, conservatively valued at $20 million. I say conservatively because just last month, one of Frazetta's paintings sold for over a million itself. So if he had 90, yeah. That's a lot of monies. <laughs> and I just got to say, you know, apparently the news is coming out that uh, apparently Frank's wife had passed away a few months ago, and that started a lot of family infighting, um, the likes of which... You know, reality TV has never seen. But we probably it, like to. Yeah, there's yeah, no, no kidding. clear. There's no clear error, is there? At this point, no, not really. And I think that's one of the problems. And apparently, Mr. Uh, the senior Frazetta is in failing health at this time, and so even his will may be up for question. Oh man! And I'm just. 
it, it is very sad when a grandmaster has to end their days like this. I mean, this is growing up. Dome, wouldn't you agree that growing up uh, in the 50s and, and 60s, seeing Frazetta's work on a cover oh, of, of a book was, a, was definitely a, a selling point? That was, that was the, uh, the draw. That was the picture yeah. card. People were dying to get his work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No There's question about it. Yeah. There's a wonderful documentary that came out a few years ago about his work, and you've got people like George Lucas, Kevin Eastman, Steven Spielberg, all saying, you know, we grew up looking at this artwork and making, you know, these movies because our imaginations were fired by this. And all I can say is I really hope this get this issue gets resolved soon. And uh, Frank and Rosetta... People can, go to jail for it because it's ridiculous. You know, yeah, but, you know, this is the sort of thing that even with justice, it's going to put a bad taste in your mouth because this is where family is involved. And apparently one of the people involved was also um, the one of the organizers of the Chiller Theater horror conventions that happen in New Jersey uh, twice a year, although that particular individual has not been charged at this time. Uh, wow. So. Dramatic. Nice. Glad, glad we could start the show on a down note. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> no, no. Nice one. So to continue the crash and burn... <laughs> Well, DC. it does. I will say this: it does make you feel a lot better about uh, flaming someone on the forum, doesn't it? <laughs> about what? <laughs> it makes you feel a little bit better about a flame war on a forum. I, I think he literally doesn't know what that means, Java. It's not. Oh yet. no! Okay, never mind then. <laughs> no, Disregard please. comment. Go no, go on. Uh, uh, an argument between geeks on a on a forum. Over uh, minutia of um, ah, so you know it kind of puts things into perspective, you know. Mm. You have to understand. I very rarely venture out of my vault of comics. So, <laughs> as Kriana has lovingly pointed out to me, I, I'm not quite as tech savvy as the rest of the staff here. <laughs> um, you realize you don't have to leave the comic sanctuary to get on the internet. The what? Yeah. <laughs> Is that that TV thing I'm looking at right now? Oh. <laughs> okay, I then. love my Atari 2600. I know you do. Uh, okay, also in comic book news this week, uh, DC announced that they are doing a brand new line of comics to try to draw in the quote-unquote youth market. They are doing the Earth One line. They are going to be basically doing uh, what Marvel did uh, 10 years ago with its Ultimates line and creating a new universe, continuity-free, where they are going to be redoing Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman in a series of standalone graphic novels. Uh, they have tapped people like uh, J. Michael Straczynski will be writing the Superman line, and Jeff Johns will be writing the Batman line. And having seen the artwork from this, I am less than impressed. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like a very good idea, personally. Well, it can work. I mean, the Ultimates line, if we use that as a basis of comparison, it has been drawing uh, younger readers into comic stores. I have talked to comic store owners who've said that, yes, they, you know, the, the, uh, the younger kids are reading things like Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate Avengers, 
uh, and so forth. And it's a good way to get them into this. And then they discover the older stories afterwards. However, because they're doing this as a graphic novel only line, it's being seen right now that DC is almost bypassing comic book stores and just going directly for bookstores. And this may be one more uh, nail in the coffin for comic books as a pamphlet format. Mm, I'm not sure about that. I think I think that I don't know if that's quite true, especially if uh, if the comic book companies embrace a digital transition. But I don't know if that's going to happen so quickly. Well, you know, what? I but, think if the comic book companies don't embrace the digital transition, comic book artists and comic book writers will. So I don't think it matters either way, honestly. Actually, I think an episodic, um, you know, small form comic book is ideal for digital distribution along the same way as uh, a song as opposed to an album. So I think that it's I, it, it's a great um, format. And, you know, the the thing is that, and I, the thing that I'm more worried about, I think, is the small town comic book shops, um, because if you if you transition to digital distribution model, I mean that's those are the people that are are looking at the most hurt. Well, exactly. That's why a lot of the stores now have branched out into gaming. Mm-hmm. It's uh, to make their money, and uh, you know you, that's why you've also got all the knickknacks and the tchotchkes and the you know statues and so forth. I mean, they'll, they'll find, you know, ways. There's always merchandising that you can mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's Also, keep in mind, like, uh, comic books are starting to be 4 and $5 an issue right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's getting to be a very expensive habit. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it always was an expensive habit, though. Not a big deal. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, that's pretty much just, like, not even on par with inflation, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, that's true. I mean, comic books, well, they tend to resist, but like from like 1935 to 1969, or no, 61, they cost a dime. So there was like three or four decades there. And then in the 60s, they were 12 cents. The 70s was 15, jumped up to 35 by the end, and so on and so forth. But all I know is that, you know, five bucks is five bucks, man. I don't know if I want to spend it on something I'm going to read in five minutes. Yeah, I, I, it just kind of pales in comparison to my first edition book habit, though. That, that's Your very first true. edition book habit? It's a very small habit. But very expensive, <laughs> I imagine. Hey, I've got a couple. I've, so got, you a go first, I've got a first edition uh, Dune. Ooh, very nice. Really? Yeah. Very nice. Woo-hoo. That's my That's my prize right there. <laughs> the centerpiece of your collection. Is it in good condition? My, my, the centerpiece and the soul piece in my collection. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, it's like that Father Ted episode. Do you guys watch Father Ted? Yes. Yeah. It's a fantastic show if you haven't seen it. Um, mm. It ran on the BBC, what, like 10 years ago now? Yeah. And, and the main character has since died. The actor, I believe. But hilarious show. And at one point they're doing an episode where, where Dougal comes in and goes... Hey, Ted, have you seen my record collection? And Ted goes, yes, here it is. And you know, if you only have one record, you have a record, not a collection. (laughs) (laughs) So what you have is a first edition book, not a first edition book collection. True. 
That's a hell of a start, though. It's a good one to start with. <laughs> hey. Oh, I, I have, I have uh, first editions. I just don't have anything that's really impressive. Couldn't other do than much that. better. No, that's not True. bad. Pretty good. Um, right. Should we so, move on? Again, um, oh, getting back to the Earth One line, all I can say is if you've seen the artwork for it that's up on the web, Alfred was never meant to look like Frank Langella with tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad oh god that's sad. Sad. speaking of batman apparently that was another big thing this week uh dc announced that bruce wayne is not dead what a shock I, you know what? this just had a monty python i'm not dead yet <laughs> proving once again that nobody dies in dc or marvel Except to breathe. Oh, God. Yeah, apparently he got knocked back in time, and they're going to have to go chase through time to find Bruce Wayne. My head hurts. Yeah, it's really sad. On that. So bad. I remember back when when the death of Superman happened, um, you know, just four years before he got married. And uh, (laughs) there's a great editorial cartoon of someone digging a grave and Superman behind him sitting up in a coffin going, not too deep. (laughs) You know, that's uh, all I can say is robberies and uh, Earth One lines and Bruce Wayne. Not a not a banner week for comics. (laughs) A week. So That's sad to be honest with you. Yeah. So please, uh, someone, bring us some cheerful news and cheer us all up here. Dome, you, didn't you have some book picks? I did. You know, as we're getting near the holiday season, I think we're in Christmas, the Hanukkah, season. Kwanzaa, or Festivus, or whatever. Solstice. Um, Solstice. Uh, Festival of Dance around Mark. tree, tay, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, it's been it's been uh, a good year to read, and there are three really really good books, and we're going to post links to them on the website with uh, the podcast. The first book that I want to talk about tonight is a graphic novel, which was produced by a couple of uh, local people, and by local I mean local to the comic vault there in New England. Uh, not here, necessarily here. local to Area 51, <laughs> called Curse of the Werewoman by Jason Burns and Chris Preventure. Oh, my God. Oh, relax, kids. It's <laughs> only television. It's not television, actually. That's true. It's only, uh, it's only kind of radio. How's that? <laughs> Plan 9 from Sci-Fi Saturday Night. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyhow, for those of you who were listening to us on TalkShoe, when we kind of went away for a while. What we were doing is we were throwing out random quotes from Star Trek, such as, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not an engineer. <laughs> I can't My give her more power. <laughs> God. So, yeah, so. I, I think instead of our normal trivia question tonight, if you can come up with a great Star Trek quote, or at least an, an an amalgam of a Star Trek quote uh, for yeah. when we screw up. It'll be our new drinking game for tonight. Uh, <laughs> feel, <laughs> feel free you can to post it at us. the best one wins uh. tonight. You can post it on our Facebook page. You can comment on our post. If screw-ups are our drinking game, we'll all be dead of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ouch. Yeah. So anyhow, somebody was about to inhale? Books. 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 Quickly. (laughs) Don't rush. No rush. Um, Curse of the Werewoman is a great twist on the werewolf story. And it is one of the funniest science fiction graphic monster novels I have ever read. I cannot recommend this enough. It is just damn funny and a fun read and a great read and a great gift for the adult. This is a uh, rated M for mature. So please keep that in mind. Not for the little kitties. Also a great gift for the adulterer in your life. Or the adulteress, either one. (laughs) You knew I was going there. I did. I know you too well. Okay. My (laughs) second book is A View from the Bridge, which was written by Nicholas Meyer. Now, Nicholas Meyer wrote and directed Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Ah. Somebody has to do it, and it can't be me. Well, what can I tell you? Well, Wheaton! <laughs> yes! <thank laughs> Wheaton! <laughs> okay, everybody take a drink. Uh, it's like... <laughs> and what Nick Meyer was perfectly unsuited for the task of what has to be one of the best Star Trek movies ever made. Because yes. he wasn't a fan of Star Trek had not seen the original series, and didn't much care for science fiction. And what this book is about, it's almost like a daily journal of what went on from the beginning of it all the way through. It's a fun read. It's an interesting read. There are times that you want it to go further into detail, and he doesn't. There are times when he goes into way too much detail and you go, hey, you know what, you're getting giving us way too much information here. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, it's not a great memoir. It's a lot of observations. Hmm. Um, so does does he explain why the Montalban chest? <laughs> no. No, <laughs> we never quite get into that one. <laughs> never quite get into that one. But, you know, it's, it's a really interesting book. Nick Meyer, terrific director. I wrote and directed uh, Time After Time. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, guy's, love that movie. Guy's done a buttload full of stuff, and, and it's all really quality, quality stuff, which is why... You know, how did he get Star Trek? Right. You know, and what a great job he did with it. Yeah. Uh, The third book that I have for you tonight is called The Secret History of Science Fiction. And it's edited by George Van Guyter. This is a... uh, um, Book. Thank you. An alternate universe book. Okay. That in science fiction, we took a wrong turn in 1972. 
when the Nebula Award for Best Science Fiction Novel went not to Thomas Pynchon for Gravity's Rainbow, but to Arthur C. Clarke with Rendezvous with Rama. Uh, which is still an excellent book, thank you. <laughs> They're both excellent books. Hmm. But, but it's based the butterfly on, effect. But mm. based on the butterfly effect of what happens at that point, um, a number of authors put together a number of stories called The Secret History of Science Fiction. Now, alternate history science fiction is really an acquired taste. You have to get used to it. And you have to really give up, willingly suspend disbelief and just kind of go with it. And if you go with the original premise at the beginning of any alternate histories book, you're bound to have a great time. The bottom line is this is one hell of a good book. There isn't a bad story in there. There isn't a bad premise in there. It's a fun read. It's a literate read. It's an educated read. And it's even a geek read for science fiction readers. <laughs> and you know me. I mean, that hits my four hot spots right there. But when, it, when you know, they, they got into the geek aspect of it, it was just wonderful. And for Christmas... For the science fiction reader geek, The Secret History of Science Fiction is number one, or View from the Bridge, or Curse of the Werewoman. Any one of them is sure to put a smile on that geek's heart. Kriana. You're here. <laughs> All right, I have a couple of quick picks here before we uh, move on to our guest and our trivia question, because I think we should still do the trivia question tonight. So um, we're going to do two giveaways tonight? Sure, why not? Why not? Um, my first pick is, is, I think the Muppets are science fiction. Because <laughs> they're, they're monsters. Well. They clearly don't exist, okay? Gonzo for sure is. Gonzo for sure. Who else has talking frogs and talking pigs? Rizzo the rat. The Swedish chef is clearly science fiction. Come on. Talking crustaceans, too. Bork, bork, bork. <laughs> My personal favorite's Bunsen and Beaker. They're awesome. That's sci-fi. And okay. pigs in space. Yeah. Pigs in space. The Muppets clearly mean something to science fiction. They're bringing in the younger crowd. There is a channel on YouTube called Muppet Studio, and we will also have that link. Muppet Studio has some of the most phenomenal new Muppet videos I have ever seen. Now, I have to admit, I love the Muppets. I've loved them since I was, you know, very small. But the Muppet movies that have come out, I'm thinking of the Muppet Wizard of Oz in particular, have been, um, I don't even know how to say it, Sins Against Humanity? <laughs> I think that was pretty yeah. mildly, actually. The, when Gonzo said nipple... That's something, right. something just broke. <laughs> oh. You're like, why? Why would you even go there? They're the Muppets. Mm. They're the Muppets. You can do that. Like, there are so many ways to get a laugh other than going cheap and saying nipple. Come on. It, it was not classy. And the Muppets have generally, I think, been fairly classy. 
in their olden Jim Henson days. Here, I here. mean, I mean, you know, they're Muppets, they're goofy, but they are definitely classy. So, when I saw actually on the Nerdist.com blog, there there was a new Muppet video on YouTube, and this was actually the Muppet Bohemian Rhapsody, and I watched it, and I was like, oh my god. It's freaking god. awesome, isn't it? It's ridiculously yeah. awesome. I just heard Bad Horse. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. So if you go on YouTube... Well, hold, hold on one second. We're taking another live phone call right now during the podcast. From Bad Horse? The Thoroughbred of Sin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yes, goodness. I think I'm going to be leaving the room to take this phone call. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Um, so the Muppet Bohemian Rhapsody was phenomenal. It reminded me of the old Muppet Show. And now, don't get me wrong, I liked Muppets Tonight, but it's like real old school Muppet Show, except for they're kind of acknowledging that they're online. Like, could anyone do the digital transition better? I don't think so. They've really gone back to their roots. You see the characters acting like, you know, themselves. Animal is nice. wild. Gonzo is crazy. Beaker is nervous. The Swedish chef is, you know, the Swedish chef. And um, at the very end, you see Statler and Waldorf in front of a computer and they make a snippy comment and then the computer monitor goes off. It's ridiculously awesome. Nice. So they've transitioned in, I don't know, the 20 mm. years to going from, okay, the Muppets in a theater... The Muppets uh, in a TV studio uh, to the Muppets Online. I think it was a very graceful transition if you discount the uh, the intervening movies. Fair enough. Which 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 I will. Hmm? And um, they have several segments up there now besides Bohemian Rhapsody. They just put up a Christmas ringing of the bells video yesterday, which is fantastically funny. There is a pumpkin carving webisode. There's a ghost hunt. There's uh, a Bunsen and Beaker lab experiment, the Carvomatic. They also have some more musical pieces, the Ode to Joy, La Habanera, Stars and Stripes Forever with uh, Uncle Sam, the eagle there, and uh, a bunch of Statler and Waldorf shorts, and uh, Rolf, the skateboarding dog. I think it would be a natural for them to do like death clock songs with the cookie monster singing since that's what it sounds like anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they really, really evoke the feel of the Muppet show while nice. while updating the format to, you know, YouTube. And and it's just fantastic. I couldn't be more pleased. I know I'm kind of gushing here, but I, I love the Muppets, oh, no. and they've been so disappointing lately. And it's just great to see them, you know, take a step back and really return to their roots while, you know, living in the now. Yeah. So that's my pick number one. And what's pick number two? Pick number two is my is my Hulu series that has been canceled probably several years ago, but has just shown up and is actually kind of good. And that show is called Cupid. Now, I'm not actually sure if this counts as science fiction or what it counts as. Because it's very strange. But basically, this guy 
thoroughly believes that he is Cupid, the Roman god. And, and there's okay. some evidence in the show that says, yes, this man is actually Cupid. And he, he has been banished from Mount Olympus and must uh, make 200 people fall in love, so 100 couples, um, before he can return. And hijinks ensue. There's only seven episodes. I've only seen the first one so far. But it was very engaging. It was very funny. I thought it was very cute. And, I, and I'm a little <laughs> sad that it, it got canceled. I think it wasn't given a proper chance. You know, unlike Eastwick, which should have been canceled before it even started. <laughs> Some of the yeah. shows you just have yeah. to say no to. You just uh, have to say no. But this was not one of them. It was very unfortunate, I, I believe. Excellent. You know, speaking of canceled sci-fi shows that are now just appearing on Hulu now, MST3K yes. is on Hulu, baby. About damn time, don't you think? Oh, yeah. They got Joel. They got Mike. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see these guys again. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot do much better than that. Hulu has got some great stuff going on, but I still think they're they're being kind of crippled by the rights holders themselves. Yeah. I mean, movies <sighs> oh, still expire. You know, you know, it's really disappointing when you're just finding a show. You know, and say it's been on for a couple of seasons, and they're only allowed to post the last five episodes. And you're like, but I want to know what happened in season one. You know? Yeah. It's really frustrating. It, it, makes, it makes people, you know, look to alternative methods of media consumption, which, you know, some people might not approve of. <laughs> I can't imagine what you'd be speaking wow. about. Wow. Wow. Prohibition in the 20s had nothing on this era, man. <laughs> they don't know our secret pain. <laughs> or do they? I don't know. God. So what's our trivia question for the evening, folks? Yes, yes. Okay. Our trivia question today, our good friends at Fox, and friends is in those... Uh... Good friends. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> uh... Oh, God. Yeah. You know, it almost calls me to say it. Yeah. Are Complete about to set. A new Come science on. fiction series in January based on a comic. What's the name of the science fiction series for extra credit? Who stars in it? Posted on the website. Posted on our uh, uh, Facebook page. Whatever. First post wins. No, you you what? have to answer it on the website, or it doesn't count. Oh, I that's right. You do have to answer page. on the website. Also, yeah, we I would have it. to. I have to uh, mention. The, the prize this week is another copy of Marundan Mogo, but last week's trivia question is still open. There's still a chance. There's two copies up this week, so... Uh, and, and what was last week's trivia question? Uh, last week's trivia question was, who wrote Day of the Triffids? <gasps> I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could that win. rightfully mine. <laughs> it's a hell of a writer, too. <laughs> you think? <laughs> anyway, so what is did we did we announce the question yet? Yeah, we just did. Okay. We announced two of them. All right, uh, here we go. Yes. Published it's... and shared. Okay. Yes. Anytime right. now, you could win. That's right. Uh, now, speaking of marooned on Mogo. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, now last week we got to interview the artist of that fine, fantastic book, but. Mm -hmm. What about the writer? What, what about, about the, the writer? 
Jinx. What about you Owe know what? <laughs> you know what we should do, X? You know what we should do? What? We should we should call him up and get him on right now. Are, are we that well connected? What do you think? Ugh. Brianna, do you think we could do that? Uh, I didn't know. Wait, I hear a phone ringing. Hello? Hello? Hey, I think that's Andrew. No way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Should we stop this, this charade? <laughs> charade? Yeah, we've got a, I've got a whole audience snookered here. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Andrew, author of Marooned on Moga, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Well, thank you for having me on. And, and uh, our first question has to be, how do you pronounce your last name? Lighter. Lighter. As opposed to heavier. See, I knew that. Oh, <laughs> we're really starting it with that? We are. Uh, time for another drink. Bad okay. pun. Oh. Andrew, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> you know, I've heard so many jokes about my last name, it's... Doesn't even bother me anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've never heard that one before. Uh, never. But the rest won. of us are groaning, believe me. <laughs> so, welcome, and please tell us about Marooned on Mogo. Okay, well, Marooned on Mogo is basically basically about um, these four kids that. Um... Four kids. <laughs> so okay. it's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> In space, In right? Space. Yeah. No, actually, uh, what it's about, it's about these four kids that um, their parents own this uh, space freighter company, basically. And um, they ship freight from Earth to different colonies that um, Earth has colonized. And um, what happens is, is they get attacked by pirates who are after this treasure map they've gotten a hold of. So, Andrew, last week when we talked to Frankie B, we talked about the collaborative process and how it worked from his end. Let's talk a little bit about how it worked from your end. Let me, t let me tell you the history of Maroon Dumbo, how I came up with the idea in the first place. Please. Okay. I was, uh, <clears throat> I was at a uh, parent-teacher conference with my uh, wife and preschool teacher for my uh, four-year-old last spring and um somehow we got on the conversation about scholastic and how there wasn't that many uh books that were for um boys that were sci-fi or books in general that were for boys most of them were for girls and uh they basically were like well andrew why don't you try writing one so i had didn't have any uh didn't want to try uh, writing easy reader books at all. But I thought about it, and uh, I was like, what's a good story I could come up with? What are kids interested in that would make a good story? And I thought about pirates and things of that nature, and the idea just popped in my head. Now, let me ask you, do you, when you're writing this, do you, in are you writing this, do you feel, for yourself, and it just happens to be all ages, or are you saying, to your, do you actually find yourself having to, to uh, target your scripts, like to do rewrites and make sure that it's something that, oh, I can't, I can't put that in, that's, that's too adult, that sort of thing? 
You know, I thought I was going to have that problem when I first started writing it, but once I usually, the, let me tell you about my method of writing. When I write, I usually develop the characters first, come up with their personalities, and I kind of let the characters write the stories. Throw the characters into a situation and then um, let their personalities decide what actions they're going to take. And a lot of times that's how I write. <clears throat> what I'll do is I'll throw a basic outline of where I want the characters to go, throw them into situations, and let them kind of write the story themselves. Huh. Now, the four, the four kids I have in the book, Clark's the old, oldest. He's, he's a 16-year-old boy. Chelsea, she's 14. And then the two twins, Caleb and Kaylee, they're eight. And I gave them all distinct personalities, like Clark, he's into sports. Chelsea, she's, she's uh, technical. Kaylee, she's into plants and animals. And Caleb, he's just kind of into make-believe stuff. So I gave them all distinct per personalities. And then um, based on the situation, they react to um, what's going on around, about them. Did you uh, read any other type of... Um books i mean do you have any any particular influences on your series well i have i've ha i guess i've had a lot of sci-fi influence over the years it was funny you brought up the lion the witch and the wardrobe because i had just recently reread that series and um that's one of the reasons why i chose four kids right. now the the main character of the books his name is clark lewis well, if you, flip his, if you flip his name around, it's Lewis and Clark, basically, is how I came up with his name. The reason I chose that for the um, oldest boy was because, um, basically, they're kind of like explorers. They get marooned on this planet. They basically are going to be exploring a lot of the a wilderness of that planet. Now, how long do you, do you see this going on? I mean, do you have, like, a certain uh, amount of books in mind, like a trilogy, or do you just see this as an ongoing series? Uh, I see it as an ongoing series for now. I've got a certain point planned out, but I plan on going beyond that point in a different direction eventually. Do you, uh, the name Mogo, did you happen to get that from, um, there is actually a Green Lantern character in DC Comics who is a planet, he's a sentient planet called Mogo, who happens to be a Green Lantern. Does your series have, I mean, did you get the idea, the name, anything from that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you did? Okay. Yes. How did you know that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> huh? Well, I mean, what am I supposed to learn? Things like CPR? Come on. These are comic books. You got to know this. True. Stuff. You're, you are the comic book guy. I guess if anyone was to know it, it would be you. But. Yes, that's basically where I got the idea for Mogo. The name just stuck in my head from Green Lantern. So. Great. And that marooned on Mogo, it just went together good. So I used to be an avid collector of comic books, but I. I basically had to cut it out for budgetary reasons. So basically, I try to collect graphic novels now. Mm -hmm. That's why DC's swinging over towards an all-graphic novel format. <sighs> I'm sorry. I still like to actually hold a regular 24-page comic in my hand. It's a relic. Now, do you ever try to... Well, you've got children of your own. I mean, how much of your own children are in Marooned on Mogo? Um, actually, one of them's named after um, one of them. Which one? Um, he's... Let's see, Caleb is five now. He's, he's a kindergartner. It's actually his preschool teacher I was talking to 
last spring. So does yeah. said teacher now have a copy of your book in her classroom? Um, you know what? I don't know if she has a copy of it, but they do have a copy of it in the library. Oh, well, there you go. Now, is your, is your book available on, on like Amazon or anything, or do we get yes, it directly from your, your website? You can uh, get it on Amazon and from Barnes & Noble. So if you go to my website and click on Buy Me, the Buy Me link. And, and what is your website? Uh, maroondonmogo.com. I actually put on Chapter 1 up there, digital free, the whole thing. Oh, neat. Andrew, do you mind if uh, we put up this PDF in the, uh, the post with the podcast so that our people who may listen to this podcast far into the future may check out your book? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, Andrew, um, here's my great. thought. Yeah. If you've got uh, a PDF version of it or a version of some of it on the website, uh -huh. let's... Uh, direct people to the website so that they can take a look at it sure and also i'm gonna i'm gonna post that pdf up with uh oh, our awesome. podcast when that gets edited and put up so that you, people who posterity who listen to us on itunes you know weeks or months after the fact can also check out your book and hopefully go and get their children a copy and frankie's Excellent. artwork is phenomenal on this series this is geared yes to oh it's, it's perfect couldn't have been a better match, I don't think. Mm. All righty. Andrew, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight. Yes. The book is called Marooned on Mogo, written by Andrew Leiter. And I got it. Okay, just make yeah. sure. <laughs> Illustrations and artwork by Frankie B. Washington. And if you've been listening for the past two weeks, you now know both of them very well. Andrew, thank you so much. And that wraps it up for us for another night here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night from high atop Area 51 where we're getting buzzed by the UFOs. I am the Dome. Crawling back into the four-color vault of comics, this is Illustrator X. And digging myself out of the snow, I'm Kriana. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to stay warm here in the frozen north. <laughs> Um, oh, we do want to say next week's guest will be a gamer and author, Steve Kenson. Looking Ooh, forward that to that. that should be excellent. And what should we give away next week? Um, something so remarkable we can't possibly divulge it now. <laughs> All right, then. Well, look forward to something so awesome we can't possibly divulge it right now. Perfect. And the Dome is saying... And the Dome is saying, you know... It's about time people started to learn how to read. Because I'm getting tired of all these cute little movies. Go back, read the damn book. And Good on night, that curmudgeon note. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>